You're listening to Siren Radio. I have to tell you exactly what we're doing now. It's uh, coming up to a quarter past four um, on Tuesday. It's Tuesday, the 7th of December. The reason I'm doing that is our next guest actually isn't at quarter past four on Tuesday. I hope she's at Tuesday, but she's at a completely different time because I'm phoning her on the Zoom magic uh, where she is at the moment, which is in New York. It's a real delight to have another guest uh, on Siren Radio, especially at this time of year, Rabbi Anna Posner. Rabbi Anna, lovely to welcome you to Siren. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a great pleasure. And you are making me insanely jealous because you are <laughs> currently, you're giggling as well, you're currently in New York, um, a wonderful city at this time of year. Although I can't believe I'm saying to a rabbi at this time of year. Oh, it's beautiful. The, the lights bring joy wherever you are, whoever you are, right? So um, it's, it is really special to be here. They do Christmas lights very well in New York. They certainly do. It, it's America plus, isn't it? You know, you, exactly. you, you expect it to be big and brash, but this is at a different level. Mm -hmm. Anna, um, if I can, if I, I, I love the fact that, well, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong in this. It took the Church of England years and years and years to fully accept women as part of the priesthood. It goes back only till 1992, uh, I think it was. Mm. Um, but how long have women been able to be rabbis in the Jewish faith? Um, since the early 70s, I believe. My colleague, um, Rabbi Jackie Tabit, was the first ordained female rabbi in the UK. How do you go about becoming a, a rabbi? It's a, it's a long slog, I won't lie. It's, um, <laughs> so you do a degree anywhere. And I actually went to an ecumenical Christian university in, in Liverpool called Liverpool Hope. So that's an unusual place for a rabbi, but quite a few people there ended up being um, priests or vicars. And then after your degree, they like it if you go and work, do something for a little while. Some people have a full career or half a career and then come to the rabbinate. I just worked for a few years. Um, and then after that, it's a five year study course, which includes kind of the equivalent of a BA, another BA and a master's. Um, and of course, practical rabbinic training as well. That's fascinating because there's a synchronicity there, particularly with uh, the priesthood in the Anglican Church, where it is often degree based. And um, but it's also fascinating that they expect you to go and effectively be something else in the world before you become something else in the Jewish faith. Yes, that's right. And I think it's about having a little bit of life experience, um, maturity, the ability to no more than just what's in kind of the Jewish bubble or the, the professional Jewish bubble. That's an interesting way of putting it, the Jewish bubble. Now, your Jewish bubble, very much like many other faiths, has different levels, different types of um, approach to the faith. Um, which, yeah. which, which area do you come from? So I grew up in liberal Judaism, um, and the, the tr rabbinic training is in liberal and reform. Um, so that the, the movements are pretty close to each other. We're the only country that has that distinction. And that's just a historical thing. And reform Judaism comes from Germany. Liberal Judaism is born and bred in the UK. So um, there are some ideological differences, but they're fairly minor um, and have become more and more minor over the years, actually. But I'm, I'm starting a new job in January, which is three denominations in one. Um, so that should be an interesting job to navigate. Okay, I've got to ask you, how on earth and, <laughs> and what on earth is it? it? So it's 
quite revolutionary. Actually. It's this community in um, Stanmore in England. In England, in, this is me being in New York. Absolutely. Yeah, um... we, could, we, could, we could forgive you that. <laughs> Just Thank mention you. again, you're in the Big Apple. But yes, carry on. Yeah. In, um, in London, North London. Um, you'll hear from my accent that I'm actually not from far from you. I'm from Nottingham myself. But um, so this community in London, it's three communities that decided to pool their resources and try a new project. So each community has their own rabbi, liberal reform in Mazorti. I'm gonna be kind of a fourth rabbi. Um, I think they're calling me the development rabbi. And the idea <laughs> is to find out if there's projects that can be done that are out of the mainstream Jewish communities and um, ways of bringing the widest and more community in, as well as people who might be on the fringes of Jewish community, wondering if it is actually for them. So uh, that's not about conversion. Judaism is not a, a, a religion that proselytizes, really. Um, it's just about, I, I suppose, kind of an, an extra community center and other cultural and religious activities as well. It's fascinating and interesting you talk about it not being a proselytizing, it not going out to, mm. to get recruits. But of course, you do accept people who come to you maybe from other faiths or maybe from none, but are on a, pro, uh, a path of discovery. That's right. So it is possible to convert to Judaism, but we don't go out on missions. You know, people approach us and, and we find a way for them. But it, it's not the idea of this community I'm moving to isn't to bring people into Judaism sort of thing it's to be a, a space for for those in the community and those who are interested in exploring. Now you are also part of uh, the life and times of the University of Lincoln bringing something to the chaplaincy what, what do you see that role as? So I see it as supporting the Jewish students who are there um, and would like a space to practice their Jewish faith um, and culture I think that's a huge thing Judaism is not just about kind of religious practice but so much of it is about community engagement and you know is it, there's this phenomenon that there are lots of atheist Jews which I'm not sure you can get as in the same way in other religions but um, yeah so and also to be there as, as a chaplain as a pastoral person and someone with an ear that doesn't mind uh, being open to people who need a chat and, and advice and and even just a space to be heard in Lincoln it's a very small Jewish community and at the university even smaller so sometimes just knowing that there's somebody there for you who gets it um, is just useful to have in your back pocket. One of the fascinating things I found about the Jewish um, history uh, how much it's deeply embedded in Lincoln um, mm. is as part of you you know you go up steep hill and you go past um, the beautiful house there uh, as you go up steep yes. hill, a good place to stop and rest there are signs at least there's a thought isn't there that there are um, the remnants the foundations of an early Jewish synagogue I mean we're talking hundreds of years ago somewhere in the back of the Jews house isn't there that's right. And in fact, that's where the liberal community meets for its services. They've reclaimed that building and, and it's used once again as a synagogue. Fascinating. And of course, if you go up to the cathedral, um, mm -hmm. our wonderful friend, Professor Brian Winston, is always one to point out there's almost as much Jewish symbology in the cathedral as there is Christian. Because oh, I, think, I think some of the money that was loaned to build the mm. uh, the cathedral actually came um, from originally from a Jewish background, uh, small but beautifully marked the Lincoln uh, congregation here. But you have this fantastic new big job to go to, which which sounds 
utterly fascinating. I'd like to follow up on that as it un unravels. So perhaps we can invite you back to be a guest here on, uh, on Science Radio sometime in the future. The, the fascinating thing about talking to you again in as I say, we're, we're, we're recording this on the 7th of December. I'm, I'm being pedantic about that because in the Christian celebration, everybody thinks it's Christmas now because we hear it on the radio. Mm. But in fact, we're in a wonderful series in the Church of England called Advent, um, i.e. Mm -hmm. preparing for the coming. You and your Jewish faith are celebrating Hanukkah. Could you tell us a bit about what that's about? That's right. We've actually just finished Hanukkah. Oh, I'm the terribly sorry. My, my, my diary didn't tell me that. I, I do apologize. No, no, no. Don't worry at all. It's the right time of year. And each year it shifts a little bit because of the lunar calendar. So we're, we're right. just, just finished. And um, Hanukkah is actually a very minor Jewish festival. Um, I think part of the reason it was made so prominent is probably a little bit because it falls around the same time as Christmas. Yes. Um, and also because, you know, all faiths and cultures love having a festival of light in the deep depths of the dark summer, uh, summer, winter. Welcome to my jet lag brain. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and I, I think it, there's something about Hanukkah, particularly when it falls earlier in December, where with each day as it gets darker, you add another candle because you, you light eight candles over eight days. Um, and so as the days get darker, you add light into that darkness. Yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really warm festival, actually. And of course, in many Anglican churches, they have the Advent calendar, where as they go through the four Sundays of Advent, they add another candle to the, the Advent wreath. So again, uh, the symbology and the reference points between Christianity and Judaism are, are interesting. And of course, we have to keep reminding people that when Jesus was born, he wasn't a Christian straight away. He was, yes. of course, out of a Jewish family, you know, yes. and he, he grew up and became a rabbi. That's we it. And there's actually fascinating stories in the Talmud, which is kind of part of the broader um, Jewish literary tradition, um, where Jesus features in, in those stories as a rabbi. Interestingly, they were taken out by Christian rulers. I can't, I can't remember the history of that, but because they were seen as offensive. But actually, when I read some of those stories, I think that they're an interesting part of the narrative but I, I understand that for those rulers all those hundreds of years ago it was um, not seen as appropriate to have Jesus as part of those stories. A bit of a challenge but as I say um, you'd have to keep reminding people that you know the Jewish faith came before the Christian faith because some people think oh they're synchronous and of course without one yeah. we wouldn't have had the other and without your faith we would not have had the richness of the Old Testament which mm. fed into the New Testament. Indeed, and of course, then we have Islam as well, and uh, the the stories feed into all three of those religions. And of course, Abraham as well, being a a, a common feature between, as you say, um, Islam and 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 many other faiths. It's fascinating mm -hmm. talking to you. Um, I at this time of year, you're in a place which just throws everything out there to, to celebrate. <laughs> That's right. How will you celebrate, uh, or do you in any way celebrate Christmas? The, the reason I ask this is I have a very good Jewish friend mm. who does a programme here on Sign Radio, uh, Bruce Rosenblum, live from LA, and he says, yes, we have the best of all worlds. We celebrate Thanksgiving, we celebrate yeah. Hanukkah, and we celebrate Christmas. So, you know, yeah. they gather them all in and have a jolly good time. That's it's, it's interesting that happens in the States as well, because my understanding from my um, American family is that in, in England, 
everybody celebrates Christmas or most people celebrate Christmas because we don't have Thanksgiving to celebrate. And so Christmas becomes our Thanksgiving. Um, I've got a a big multicultural family. So we're all of everything apart from, we do have Christians on my dad's side, actually, but my mum's side, we've got Hindus, Muslims, humanists, uh, Jews, we're everything. So we actually get together all 30, 30 to 35 of us. Um, on my uncle's farm and we have a big feast and we do exchange presents and my little nieces and nephews get Santa comes to visit them and it is it's um, we we delve into that side of the of the tradition um, and I hope it's not offensive to to Christians that we um, but we do delve into that cultural side of it. I don't think for anybody who is an open-hearted and, and, and a welcoming Christian that would be at all offensive um, and yeah. perhaps we ought to share as, as a community much more in all the richness of all the cultures that we have in Lincoln and we have around yeah. the world. Because surely one of the things we're being taught by, I don't want to darken the mood, but, but the current coronavirus crisis mm-hmm. is how much brings us together. We are, yes. we are divided by far less. There's more that, let me get it the right way around, of course. There's more that brings us together, makes us common than divides us. It's true. It's very true. It has been a delight, uh, Rabbi Anna, to talk to you. I hope this is the first of many conversations we can have, particularly your your wonderful new job you're taking up in the new year. Can Mm. I wish you on behalf of everybody at Siren Radio a very happy mega festival for you out on your (laughs) uncle's farm? It sounds absolutely fantastic. Have a safe time and a safe return uh, to the UK when eventually you do so. For the moment, Rabbi Anna Posner, thank you very much indeed for joining us here on Siren Radio. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely to talk.